Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 92 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peake, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And today we have an action-packed episode for you guys today. Tons of great information that's been coming out. Um, as you know, I am a member of the Planetary Society and an advocate for them. And the Planetary Society magazine news just broke today. Uh, one of the headlines uh, that we'll be talking about is asteroid samples from another world. Uh, we'll also be getting into how you can do your part to help find ET through radio signals. Um, we also have the top cases from this month's MUFON Monthly Journal, which are the true unknowns that MUFON investigates. I'll also be giving you guys the case number so you can follow along if you have access. So as we go case by case, you guys can see the videos or the photos attached to each case. Um, so it's loads of fun. We also have a major event coming up, which we'll get into during the episode. Um, so with all that being said, strap on your seatbelts. We're going for a ride. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show, UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peak, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And today's episode is sponsored by Spiritual Consciousness, a personal journey by author and experiencer Kevin J. Briggs. Um, an amazing book. Absolutely amazing. Um the reviews are out of this world. Kathleen Martin uh, really put it into perspective when she stated in the book as a review that Kevin really sets himself apart from other experiencers and authors. Um, the way he wrote the book, I mean, it's for experiencers, consciousness, out-of-body experiences, uh, everything you can imagine. And this is all Kevin's lifelong journey um, dealing with his experiences and how he's coped with it and uh, what's happened throughout the years. So if you guys want to get a copy, again, it's called Spiritual Consciousness, A Personal Journey. Um, all the information is on our website. That's ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. Uh, that'll give you the information about the book, and it'll also give you uh, the link to Kevin's website where you can get the book. Um, it's 20 bucks. Um, absolutely great price uh, for what you're going to get, and I guarantee you're going to enjoy it. Um, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I've already started reading. Uh, you can see on social media, I took some pictures about it. Um, very good, very, very good book. Well written. Um, so today, um, actually this past weekend, I found out about a new event um, that's coming up. It's called the, uh, it's going to be the first annual Howard Menger, uh, Menger story uh, conference and event. Um, I will be part of the event staff there. I'll also be the MC for the speaker session and I will be the MUFON representative there. Um, we'll be setting up a table. We'll have information to give out. Um, we'll have some uh, merchandise you guys can purchase, um, all kinds of good stuff, uh, information if you guys want to become a field investigator. Um, we will have representatives from Jersey there as well, from MUFON and me from PA, uh, but we will be just, you know, overall uh, representing all of MUFON. So that's going to be a fun time. So a little bit about um, where it's going to be. Um, this is Highbridge, New Jersey, um, which was home to one of the most well-known contactees in history. Uh, Mr. Howard Menger. Howard spent a great deal of his life in Highbridge and wrote about the Venetian experiences and encounters he had on his family's farm, known as the Highbridge Incident. Um, one of the most talked about meetings is that with Valiant Thor. Um, the Highbridge Historical Committee is sponsoring a Howard Menger weekend. 
um, to honor Howard's memory and the history he created in Highbridge. Uh, the dates are July 14th through the 16th of 2023. Um, it will be a whole weekend long celebration of the events taking place um, throughout the borough of Highbridge starting on Friday night with the alley and crawl through uh, the borough businesses and a movie in the park. Saturday is packed with a Howard Mender speaker series event featuring MUFON members, uh, Frank Chili Jr., Nick Corto, Bruce Pearson, uh, Major George Filer, um, followed by an alien dinner gala at Highbridge Hills Golf Course with keynote speaker, Dr. Raymond Keller, um, AKA Cosmic Ray, and, and in the evening with a lights out session by ghost hunter, Bruce Tango at the historic Solitude House. Um, Sunday wraps up the weekend with an intergalactic brunch at the Solitude House and a chance to meet Cosmic Ray, followed by E.T. and UFO storytelling on the Solitude Lawn. Um, this will be a memorial, uh, mem uh, memorable weekend of events. Um, so join the Historical Committee for the first annual Howard Menger Story Weekend. Um, you can visit the committee Facebook page, Highbridge uh, History, or email history at highbridge.org. Org, uh, for details and ticket info, uh, tickets can be um, tickets for the events uh, can be purchased on Eventbrite. Um, also, I'm sponsoring the event as well, um, so you guys can actually just go right over to my website. Um, it has all the information for each day, the prices for each day, um, all the ticket prices, and it also has the link on there so you can purchase tickets directly from the website. Um, for those who don't know the website, it's ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. Um, I'm excited about this. I know there's a lot of different people that are going to be coming there. It should be a, a blast. Um, and it's really, um, really cool what happened today. Um, I was waking up this morning and I was drinking my coffee and I actually got a message um, on Facebook, I believe, because I was sponsoring the event. And uh, it wound up being Howard Menger's grandson uh, reaching out to me because he had no idea about the event. Um, so he's going to tell his father, um, who was Howard Menger's son, and they're they're going to come up for the weekend um, and hopefully be there so you guys can talk to them as well. Um, I know they're very excited about it. Um, they express that <laughs> dearly, um, and they're very grateful that there's an event in their grandfather's name. So it's going to be a really, really cool time. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, even if you don't go Friday because it's just a, a movie thing, but it's pretty cool if you have kids, uh, to sit out on the lawn and have that movie night. Um, but Friday starts the speaker session, um, and there'll be speakers later that night. And in the next day on Sunday, there will be a, a little speaker thing. And then everybody can share their stories of contact and experiencers, um, with an open mic. So it's really cool. Um, I hope to see you guys there. Um, it should be an amazing time and it's right over in Jersey. So it's not that far. Um, so hopefully we'll see you guys there again. The ticket link is on the website. Um, it's going to be a great time. So we have a really action packed episode today. Um, we have a lot of different stuff going on. I am a member and advocate for the planetary society. I got their magazine today. And one of the big stories is, um, asteroid samples from another world, which immediately caught my eye. Um, and it's, talking about how we're getting samples and different materials now from space, um, from asteroids themselves, um, and the benefit of it. So it's really neat. Um, also how you can do your part, um, to help find extraterrestrials or any kind of life out in the universe. Um, 
part of this is done by radio signals, which you can actually set up with your own home computer. Um, but I'll talk about that and we'll get into a little more detail about it. Um, we also have some really cool uh, astronomy stuff going um, on in the sky this month and into July, um, which we'll get into. But I guess today we'll start it off with a random space fact. Um, so this fact is pretty, uh, it's, it's mind blowing because you think we get a lot of material, but it, we don't. Um, the space fact for today is the mass of rocks and dirt brought back um, from the moon by astronauts in the Apollo program is equivalent to about 21 uh, granite rock stones used in sporting of curling. Uh, that's really not a lot of the material at all back then. Uh, you would have thought they would have had a little bit more, but I just thought I'd share that with you guys. Um, so as for the uh, this month, which is June, it's ending, and then into July, we have some really neat astro astronomical things going on that you should be able to see from your house if you guys have telescopes or whatever. This is the time. Um, so in June and July, um, it's going to be uh, super bright Venus and dimmer reddish uh, Mars are low in the west uh, in the early evening. The crescent moon joins them in a tight grouping on June 21st. Um, there's also yellowish Saturn is above bright Jupiter in the pre-dawn starting low on the horizon in June, but then getting higher as weeks pass. Um, by September, Venus has moved into the pre-dawn east. Uh, the Perseid meteor shower, usually one of the top meteor showers of the year, that'll peak August 12th and 13th with increased activity several days before and after. So you'll be able to see this um, starting and as it ends it'll it'll start be, still be having some things uh, you'll be able to see nicely in the sky um, it's a great year to see the uh, proceeds because there will be a little uh, interference from moonlight and there is only a crescent moon that rises not long before dawn um, from from a very dark site there are typically 50 to 75 meters meteors per hour at the peak so there's no way you can miss this. And hopefully, um, if you're in Philadelphia like I am, we usually, we, it's not, we don't get a really bright sky. So it can be hard to see these meteor showers and usually have a lot of trouble. But hopefully they're saying that this is going to be one of the best times to see this stuff happening um, out of all years past uh, because of how clear it's supposed to be and the way everything's lining up to be able to uh, basically spotlight these events and, and and show these meteors at a higher uh, brightness so um i guess let's uh jump over to this asteroid samples from another world um very interesting i just thought i would share it with you i'm sure if you go ahead and look it up you'll be able to find all this information out on your own um but on september 24 2023 um <laughs> Earth will receive a visitor from another world. Um, it's not alien life. It's not a natural occurrence. Uh, we'll be able to plan and anticipate its arrival down to the minute. And once it gets here, it may fundamentally change our understanding of life itself. Um, OSIRIS-REx, which stands for Origins Spectral Interpretation Resource Identification Security Regolith Explorer. Now, I do have this information in the description of the episode below, so you can get that name and the name of the OSIRIS-REx and understand what it means. So if you want that whole, um, whole uh, name, it is in there. So you can check that out. 
Um, and this is a NASA mission um, to the near-Earth asteroid Bennu, um, is on its way back to us with samples from its surface. In September, the sample returner container will touch down in Utah and start a new journey helping scientists unlock the secrets of the early solar system and the understanding of near-Earth asteroids. So this is pretty cool. I mean, we're going to be getting different materials um, from these asteroids um, that we might not have ever even had on this planet before. So this is actually some pretty big news. And if we could find some really cool things that we've never had before, it could change our life as we know it. Um, the main spacecraft will continue on past Earth um, thanks to a mission extension. It will become OSIRIS APEX, which stands for OSIRIS, a forest explorer, and journey to the near-Earth asteroid uh, Apophis. Um, so it's, it's going to be uh, pretty cool. Um, it's exciting, this kind of stuff. And, you know, every time we go and we work with asteroids, um, you know, we think of asteroids as these big giant things that come and burn up in our, our atmosphere. And sometimes, you know, we have a, a, an asteroid or a meteor fall and hit Earth. Um, but these, these, these objects hold very valuable materials, um, you know, and some that we are lacking here on Earth. And there's actually, we're starting new missions now. You know, this one right here is just the start, but we, we are, we're actually in the process of um, SpaceX, I think, is doing this. I'm not sure exactly um, how it started, but they're making these huge things that can go and attach themselves to these huge asteroids and start mining them um, for materials that we are lacking here on Earth. Um, and that, that would also, you know, help with a lot of things that we're missing out on here on Earth. So it's, it's just pretty neat to think of. And then also it helps with asteroid defense, um, something that uh, the Planetary Society offers and teaches you a certification class on it. Um, it's called Asteroid Defense 101, and it really takes you through on, you know, how we can prevent, you know, huge asteroids from hitting our Earth. Um, but when we go and we do things like we did here and we went and we mined them, we can actually change the trajectory of these asteroids and meteors um, so they no longer are on a trajectory to hit Earth. Um, which is really, really cool to think about it and to think of how, you know, um, Space Force is probably doing this a lot now um, with the asteroid defense. Um, well, I know the Planetary Society is in NASA as well. Um, so that's something that we really don't think about too often, like these big giant things coming to destroy Earth. Um, but luckily there are protocols and things that we are now doing to prevent that from happening. So it's, it's really neat stuff here. Um, definitely wanted to make sure I shared that with you guys. Um, there's a little bit of information here um, on setting course for Earth um, and how everything will unfold. Uh, when the dynamic duo is approximately a few hours, about um, anywhere from 100,000 kilometers or 60,000 miles from Earth, the sample uh, return container will actually separate from the spacecraft. Um, so you're a third of the way from the moon and you just have to spring that ejecting the capsule and giving it a spin um, is the explained by Mike Moreau, the flight dynamic uh, dynamic system manager at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center, who's in charge of the team handling of OSIRIS-REx's navigation. Um, so they're, they're, it's still not here. And like they said, it will land in Utah um, in a couple months, um, the, the sample package. 
Um, so basically, we don't um, do anything to control it, um, he said. And it's just like a really long three-point shot, <laughs> as, heavy, as he referred to it. Um, that's because the sample container itself doesn't have any engines or thrusters on it. Um, the hard work is to obtain a precision landing uh, when it comes in uh, period before the separation. Um, he quotes, all of the work um, to do the targeting is happening in those two weeks beforehand. Um, he states, at 14 days out from the sample return, OSIRIS-REx will fire um, its thrusters and perform a trajectory uh, correction maneuver, targeting a specific return area for the Utah test and training range, approximately 130 kilometers or 80 miles um, southwest of Salt Lake City. So this thing, <laughs> the, the rocket itself, is using its thrusters, and then it's going to release the capsule with the material in it to come down and hit in the Utah area, which is <laughs> pretty crazy um, to think about how that's happening, and the actual capsule has no way to control itself. Um, so hopefully everything goes safe with it, and we get those materials, and I'm sure they'll be sharing about what those materials are um, and what it can do for us. So pretty, pretty neat stuff there. Um, so if you want to check that out, I'm sure the Planetary Society, if you go on the website, planetary, uh, yeah, planetary.org or planetarysociety.org, um, go check it out. Really cool stuff. Um, so one of the other little things I've seen in the Planetary Magazine this month was do your part to find ET. And of course, you know, I'm in UFOlogy, so I thought it would be cool to read the article. Um, and a lot of us know SETI, and this is where it's coming from, but it's just pretty cool how you can upload these programs to your computer and how you're going to find um, these signals coming from space. So I thought I would just read it to you. Um, so this is Do Your Part to Find ET. SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, encompasses many different techniques to look for life beyond Earth. One is listening for radio transmissions from other star systems. Detecting these signals is challenging because we have a rule, because we have to rule out signals from intelligent life right here on Earth. Computer algorithms can sift through large amounts of data and hone in on promising signals, but these programs must be trained to discard false positives. Um, that's where volunteer scientists come in. Researchers at UCLA, in partnership with the Planetary Society and NASA, are recruiting volunteers to train computer algorithms that will be used to search for life beyond Earth. Using the Zooniverse Citizen Scientist platform, volunteers examine signals captured by the 100-meter Green Bank Telescope that are coming from 100 stars known to have planets. Participants sort signals into categories of known radio interference which will then help train the machine learning system for future searches. The Planetary Society awarded $50,000 to the project through our STEP Grants program in 2022, and we invite all our members to take part. You can sort one signal or a thousand. It's completely up to you. So this is a volunteer-based thing that you can do, which is really neat, and you do it from your home computer. Um, if you want to check that out, uh, you can go to arewealone.earth, um, which I believe will take you to the SETI. Or if you, you know, if you want to just go to SETI and, and, and read more about it, you can do that too. Um, but I thought about doing this as well 
And what I understand is they send you the system, you download it onto your computer, and you'll be able to search algorithms and different radio signals that are coming from your direct area. So what this does to help is it, it puts computers in just about every city and every little inch of the city to be able to catch all these radio frequencies coming in um, because SETI only has, you know, they have a lot of different satellites after that can catch this, but sometimes they can miss things like that and this prevents that. So this is something really, really cool to get involved in. I mean, it's free. So, I mean, you can go and look, I mean, even if you just wanted to look for different frequencies or radio frequencies out in the universe, how cool is that to be able to do at your home computer? You don't have to worry about nothing and it's all, it's there and you can do it as much as you want or as less as you want. Um, like they said, you can do one, you can take, sort out one signal or you can do a thousand. Um, it becomes a really, really cool thing to do. Um, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, definitely for sure. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take our break. And when we come back, um, I've investigated a really, really um, crazy case this past year. Uh, it, made the, it made one of the newsletters for MUFON. Um, and we'll go into the details of it, what exactly happened, um, you know, and uh, how it all played out and how things after that kind of added up to what the witness was describing. Very interesting, very, very good details. Um, I call it the coyote case. Um, so once we get back, we'll hop right into that and then we'll start going down the line with the top cases from this month's MUFON Monthly Journal. Um, so we're going to go ahead and take these quick messages and we'll be right back after the break. Introducing the new and sought after book, Spiritual Consciousness, A Personal Journey, by author and experiencer Kevin J. Briggs. See the photos of what Kevin witnessed and links for the book at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com or in the description of the episode below. Again, that's Spiritual Consciousness, A Personal Journey, by Kevin J. Briggs. Join us next month in Highbridge, New Jersey, which was the home for the most well-known contactee in history, Mr. Howard Menger. Howard spent a great deal of his life in Highbridge and wrote about the Venetian experiences and his encounters he had on his family's farm, known as the Highbridge Incident. One of the most talked about meetings is that of Valiant Thor. Next month from July 14th through the 16th, an entire weekend, conference and event, Get more information at our website at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com for the Howard Menger story, first annual. This is your host, Jesse Peak. Check out our official website at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. Read up on UFO articles, including abductions, close encounters, sighting cases, megalithic structures, and more. Also, check out our new Facebook group. You'll get updates on guests every week, new events coming up, and our schedule of who we're going to have on in the future. Again, that's UFO Encounters Worldwide Facebook group and our website at UFO Encounters Worldwide 
www.wordpress.com. UFO Encounters Worldwide wants to hear from you. Have an experience or a sighting you want to share? Contact your host, Jesse Peake, at ufoencountersworldwide at gmail.com today. UFO Encounters Worldwide would like to announce our brand new home at the UNX Network. Listen to us every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear UFO Encounters Worldwide podcast. That's on the UNX Network. Looking for some new awesome UFO swag and merchandise? Check out UFO Encounters Worldwide official merchandise store. Go to storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide. Find sweatpants, t-shirts, tie-dye, even baby clothing. Anything you can imagine, we have it. Check it out today. Again, that's storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide. Hello and welcome back to the second half of episode 92. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start doing some of these really great cases that we have this month from the MUFON Monthly Journal. Um, before we get into that case, we're going to do this really uh, interesting case that I had worked on. Uh, I'm going to read it to you from the Monthly Journal's perspective, uh, what was stated from the witness um, and the information, and then I'll tell you a little bit about the case afterwards. Um, and some things that I found afterwards that were really interesting that really helped uh, prove the case was real, um, in, my, in my opinion anyway. Um, so this is actually, you can look it up, it's MUFON case 129629. Um, this happened on March 1st, 2023 um, at 9 a.m. And this happened over a couple hour um, duration. Um, because of what, what was being heard and, and etc. Um, so according to the witness, uh, this is all stated directly from the witness, um, my family and I went to Maryland for about a week for vacation. Um, it was the off season, so the whole point was to just relax and go to the diners. About the fourth day uh, we were there, I saw it. We had rent rented a house, so we were sharing the area with uh, many other people but there were a few houses along the street. There was a small little forest behind the house by the porch. I'm usually the first to wake up in my family, so I am confident that I am the only one who saw this. I had made my breakfast and was sitting at the table by the windows when I heard a low humming noise. I moved closer to the window to see what was making the noise. The curtains were mostly closed, but I didn't bother opening them completely. In a few seconds, I watched as this object, around six feet long and two feet tall, lowered itself towards the ground. The outside was an odd metallic blue color, but still very close to gray. When it was about a foot above the ground, it stopped hovering there. The humming was very loud, but also very quiet. I could feel it vibrating my ribs, but it didn't hurt my ears. There were no lights, 
but the humming made the edges of the object floating uh, uh, floating on the object looked blurry. Um, about a minute later, a piece of what looked like raw meat dropped out of it. It dropped into the direction of the woods and away from the house, so I didn't see how or where it came from, but I could tell it came from this thing. In the next minute, a coyote walked out of the woods. There were no coyotes in this area or many other animals since there was there was construction on both sides of the woods. It was about one-ninth of a mile wide, the woods I mean, so a coyote walking out was very odd. What was really weird was how it acted. The thing stopped humming and looked at and looked like it was stuck in time when the coyote first emerged from the bushes. I had seen coyotes before and I got a deep feeling of unease when I saw it walk out. It didn't look around for other animals. It just walked straight towards the meat. When it got to the meat, the floating object sucked up the coyote. In less than a second, I watched as an invisible hand yanked the coyote into the floating object, bending it in a way that shouldn't be possible. My heart dropped when I saw this. It felt like I had been in a trace before this moment a trance before this moment, just accepting what I saw as if it was normal. I was so scared that I couldn't move. I was in complete paralysis. About five seconds after the coyote was ripped into this thing, violet lights turned on underneath of it. It was intensely bright, but it didn't look like any lights I'd seen before. When the lights turned on, the humming noise from before came back so intense that I got a headache. It felt as if this whole house was shaking. It hovered there for what I thought was around two minutes. Then I heard this cracking noise, what sounded like all the animal's bones being broken at once. This object then dropped the coyote's corpse, making a plopping sound. Its fur was covered in blood and looked like it was wet. The eyes, organs, and random bones in the legs were all gone. It was bent in the wrong way everywhere and was completely still. This thing's lights then turned off and the humming became less intense. Its edges became a big, big and blurry again and it shot up into the sky. It was gone in less than five seconds. I was so scared that I didn't move for a long period of time, just staring at the butchered body of this coyote. When I snapped out of it, I looked around, seeing my sister on the couch around the corner. For some crazy reason, I decided to check the corpse of the coyote. I was cautious of getting too close, but I went away, but went anyway. As I got closer, I heard a ringing growl louder. I, I ignored it as long as I could so I could check the body. That's how I saw the organs and the eyes were gone and how the legs were just flesh with no bones. I ran back inside and I, when I slammed the door, I scared my mother. She yelled at me for being gone so long and I was confused. Apparently, I had been gone since 9 a.m 
and it was now 1 p.m. She assumed that I had gone skateboarding since I mentioned a park nearby the day before. I haven't told this to anyone, and I'm still terrified of what, whatever happened and what this object did to the coyote. I have no idea what shape it was since it never spun, and it reflected a bit that just made it difficult to tell the exact shape. But where you could tell, definitely, it was curved edges and lots of random flat sides. Also, the weirdest thing about the coyote to me was that after I came back inside from the coyotes, from, from, from seeing the coyote, I came back out and the body was gone. There, were no, there was no blood, drag marks, or nothing. I can't prove anything, and that makes me feel crazy. But I know this really happened. One more thing. I saw what this thing did to one of the bones. It had scratches all around it, mainly around the joints. It looked like it went through a wood chopper. This freaks me out, writing this but I believe this extremely is extremely important. Please believe me, it's, it's real and very dangerous. So that's the end of what the, the witness had quoted. Um, and the main part to remember about this, this case is, is that the wooded area was very, very small. There was construction being done on both sides. Um, so it was just a small little area, and animals weren't, weren't common in that area, especially coyotes. Um, so that was one of the things that stuck out to me, and I had gotten this case and started working the case. There's no photos, no videos, um, but I had talked to this witness in person, and um, she was completely scared out of her mind, and, and I could just tell this by the way she was speaking. Um, she was very unsure about telling me the story. Um, very, just didn't know what, what, what she witnessed. She was completely whacked out about the whole situation. So I started investigating this case for a couple of days and I'm sitting here watching the news, uh, one morning and it's the same area from where this woman saw this, this coyote in an area that it's not supposed to be in. And the news is reporting on how for the past couple of days, people are seeing coyotes running around on the streets. And there was even video of this. So why all of a sudden in an area where coyotes aren't in the area usually, are there coyotes running around in this area? And then for this to happen to one of them, um, it kind of, it's, it's sort of like a cattle mutilation in a sense where there's no eyes and no organs left. Um, the only difference was there was blood. But I mean, nothing was left inside this, this coyote whatsoever. And to see the object actually do it, we, I mean, I haven't heard cases before where I've, where I've heard a cow was taken up and then I've seen it being dropped before. So it was really interesting. Um, so it's, we've never heard of something baiting a prey before. Um, and the violence that ensued in the coyote's carcass being deposited several minutes later and his bones missing completely. Um, and then the five hours of missing time that the witness had. So was she at one point in, in this description, you heard me say that it's felt like when, the, when the object dropped that piece of meat, that the craft was stuck in time. And that right there kind of gives you a little bit of maybe why she had missing time. 
that maybe time was kind of stopped for this point, except for her, the coyote, and the craft. So they were able to catch this coyote. Um, it's just a hypothesis, but she had mentioned it. So, and then hearing the missing time is unbelievable. Five hours of missing time. And she was sitting on the deck and the family was awake. So they didn't see her sitting on the deck either. Um, very interesting case. Um, very strange. <laughs> One of the strangest that I've ever, ever, ever dealt with. Um, we are still investigating this case. Um, but, you know, uh, we're going to try to do what we can in helping the experiencer. Um, but I just thought I would share this case with you because it did get, it blew up. And uh, it's in, the, in the, one of the e-newsletters from MUFON. Um, so very interesting, very different for sure. So I thought I'd share that with you again. Let me give you that case number. It's case number 129629. <clears throat> and this just happened March 1st, 2023. <clears throat> and she went out at 9 a.m. and came back in the house at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and she was questioned by her family. And she never told the family. That was one thing she told me. I never told my mom when she asked me where I was for that five hours. I just let her think that I went skateboarding, like she said to me. So she was holding this in for a long time. And thank God she reached out to MUFON and got you know, one of, uh, and reported to the ERT and I was able to talk to her, um, and send her some really good reading material. I talked to her for over an hour on the phone, um, kind of calm the situation down a little bit. Um, you know, and I really recommend to any experiencers that if you're having this kind of issues, reach out, get the help, talk to somebody, don't hold this stuff in. Other people are experiencing this, this stuff. Um, and it's better to get it out than hold it in and become depressed and etc. Uh, the MUFON ERT is here to help you. Um, that's why we, we allow you guys to report to us, whether it be a sighting or an experience, we are here to help. Um, and if you do need help, go to MUFON.com and you'll see at the top right hand corner, it will say report a sighting or report an experience. Um, and it's very easy to fill out and you will hear back within a certain time frame from an investigator or a experience or resource team member. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that case. Um, and I thought I would share that to you with you guys today. Um, so moving on, we have some top cases from the MUFON monthly journal. These are the top cases, the true unknowns that MUFON investigates. Um, and they're always very, very interesting. I'll give you the case number. So if you have access, you can follow along as I go through each case. Um, so the first case we have here is case number 130542. It's triangular object seen gliding over California. Uh, an upland California man reporting seeing a UFO with three circular features gliding smoothly and soundlessly across the sky, according to testimony of case 130542. The witness was sitting in his backyard looking up at the stars when he saw an enigma. Uh, an enigmatic object at 10 p.m. on April 22nd, 2023. Um, he did put a drawing here, and it looks like a triangular object with three huge lights at each corner. Um, if you have the case number, which I gave you, you could see that uh, included in, in the case. Um, the description that the witness wrote in the CMS system reads as quoted. 
So I'm sitting in my backyard right now, Upland, California, near the San Antonio Hospital. Just finished watching the Davis-Garcia fight. I looked up into the night sky. Now, who knows what it could have been, but it was very, very dim lighting. Bend it into the night sky, almost three circles and a triangle, triangle, and just gliding very smoothly across the sky. No sound at all, but who knows how high up it was. I'm not sure. But immediately, I texted my wife to tell her what I saw. Mind you, I live by the hospital, and I hear helicopters come in and out all the time. The Upland Airport isn't too far from me also. But this wasn't anything that had any type of jet engine or any propulsion system. Who knows, it could have been a drone, but I'd imagine I'd hear the little rotators. I could barely keep track of it before it got lost over the crest of my neighborhood houses. It was big enough for me to describe it and draw it, but small enough that in plain sight, it fit in between the tree on the left and the tree on the right, end quote. So there is a photo of the trees, and he actually shows you where this object was and how it fit in between the tree branches of the tree, um, which is really interesting, meaning that this object was probably a little farther away um, and not as close um, being, being able to fit that small. Um, the California uh, MUFON field investigator, um, Richard, closed the case as an unknown aerial vehicle. Now, his summary, uh, let's see here, writes up as, quote, On 5-6-23, I interviewed the witness. He said on the day of his sighting, he was just finishing watching a boxing match on TV. So he went into his backyard to relax, drink a beer, and to stargaze. And as he was looking up, he saw the object come into his view from the southwest, traveling towards the northeast. He said that he had been interested in UFOs, and he was reading J. Allen Hynek's book on them. He said that the object appeared to be triangular with three circles at each corner, but he could not make out any color on it because it was really dark outside. Um, Upland is a city in San Bernardino County, California, on the border of Los Angeles, so you know where that location is. Um, but this object, um, you know, it was it was definitely interesting, um, an unknown object for sure. And if the investigator wrote that the way he did, um, obviously he checked all the flight radar and stuff like that and was unable to find um, any kind of airplane. And drones now have to be FFA certified, and they also pop up on radar. Um, so you would find that if it was a drone or, or a commercial airplane. Um, so that's that case. Um, we have our next case, which is 128850. Um, silent diamond-shaped object videoed over California. So there is a video with this, um, this case here. An Oceanside, California man reported seeing a plurality of unusual objects in the sky, according to his testimony of case 128850. He videoed the objects for just over 100 seconds. A screenshot from the video accompanies this case summary. The witness was outdoors on the beach with his wife at 4 p.m. on November 5, 2022, when they observed the four objects hovering above the ocean. After a time, the witness got up to move closer, and the objects disappeared from sight. In his description of the event in the CMS Form 1, the witness writes, four diamond-shaped objects just hovered there for over 15 minutes. 
only moving slightly. In his subsequent interview with the investigator, the report the reporting witness notes the objects were seen for at least 25 minutes and made no sound. The California MUFON chief investigator, Gene, closed his case as an unknown other. In the investigator summary report, uh, Gene Merliano concludes, quote, This report closely lines up with another report in the CMS case 127067 from the same area and roughly same time. Given the military background of the witness, I believe you would recognize and identify any conventional aircraft. I would call this a true unknown object. Um, so there is a photo here, um, and you can see the video as well. There are four objects um, that look very, very close to what the witness described here. Again, that was 128850. Um, so let's go ahead on to our next one. Case 130188, glowing orange objects photographed above Florida. Florida is getting very hot. It is one of the top uh, areas where we're starting, where we're getting a lot of objects like this, especially out over the ocean. So a Holy Hill, Florida man reported seeing a couple of glowing orange objects flying soundlessly through the sky off the coast, according to his testimony of case 130188. The reporting witness was outside of his house when, when his wife, at the onset of the sighting um, of the case one form, states that there were three witnesses in total. So it was his wife and another individual as well. His house is a five-minute drive to the beach. He and his wife were looking at the objects. He took two digital pictures and a video of them at 8.37 p.m. on April 3, 2023. The sighting duration was three minutes. Uh, one of the digital images uh, accompanies uh, this case summary. In his event description was short and stating, objects were glowing orange, shaped like a boomerang, going very fast from the south to the north coast of Daytona Beach. Um, the case was assigned to Florida MUFON State Section Director Rusty Hessler for investigations. In his written summary conclusion of the investigation, Hester states, the reporting witness told him the objects flew in close proximity to one another and that while they occasionally flashed in the video, he didn't notice these flashing in person. Um, greatly disturbed by the sighting, the man retreated to his house and didn't go night fishing as he and his wife normally would have done. Hester checked flight paths in the area and nothing is flying that close together at that time. Also, the triangle, the triangle shape with the lights on it could have been a lone Cessna that was flying off the coast at the time. Hester closed the case as an unknown aerial vehicle. So that's a really good one there, too. And you can actually see the still photos with that again, too. Um, very interesting here. So our next case is case 127067. Diamond-shaped object reported flying over California. California is hot, man. It, it's getting there. <laughs> now it's always has been. It's always number one. California is the number one most sightings every month reported to MUFON, um, if you didn't know. So here we go. Um, a San Diego, California man reported seeing many objects moving about the sky, according to testimony in case 127067. They had no wings, 
or rotors that he noted in his interview with Case Investigator. The incident occurred during the afternoon of November 24th, 2022, and had only a single witness. His 4-in-1 description of the event explains what transpired. Quote, at approximately 1.30 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day, I was in the backyard looking at the surrounding hills, valley. Oh, at the surrounding hills. The valley and skyline when I noticed a group of objects flying at a moderate pace from the north. There were four roughly diamond-shaped white objects flying in a diamond formation. The shape and color originally led me to assume that these were regular aircraft, presumably military. As they moved, the formation became looser, almost messy, until one of them completely broke formation and actually moved away to the lower right and seemed to increase speed as well. As they all moved to the southeast, they suddenly started to become less opaque, then just vanished from sight. They didn't continue to travel away or diminish in size until out of sight, as you'd expect aircraft to do when moving away. They just quickly faded, then vanished. My first thought was that this was because they became obscured by the clouds. But then I realized there were almost no clouds in the area of the sky. That was when it occurred to me how odd this all was. Growing up in the San Diego Valley area, I am very used to seeing military aircraft and from the Marines and the Navy, and that's why I initially thought they were aircraft. Even though I had a phone in my pocket and I'm always on the lookout for unusual UFOs or UAP, for some reason it never even occurred to me to take pictures or a video until it was all over. So the MUFON uh, State Director, Earl Gray Anderson, someone who is a mentor and very close friend, was the investigator. And uh, let's see what he got to his report summary when as stated, quote, this report was submitted by MUFON Chief Investigator, knowing that care he takes with all of his cases. Oh, so this was actually reported by a MUFON Chief Investigator. That's pretty interesting. So uh, knowing that he takes care in all of his cases and the healthy level of skepticism he has in all of his work, I believe that though this is a single witness testimony case, we could have asked for, uh, uh, we couldn't ask for a better witness here. The objects observed by the witness didn't match any aircraft or natural phenomenon. Considering that the witness was a trained observer with the highest standards, I'm closing this case as an unknown aerial vehicle. And that is your cases for today from the MUFON, uh, top cases for the MUFON Monthly Journal for June 2023. Very cool stuff. Um, they're always really interesting cases. And I really, you know, if you don't have access to the case files, you just become a member. Uh, join MUFON as a member, and then you can, you'll have unlimited uh, ability to go through the database. And then every week or whenever we do these, these uh, episodes like this, you could follow along yourself um, with the case number and get the videos and the photos so you know what we're looking at as we describe it. Um, just a, just a recommendation, uh, for sure. Um, so don't forget about the, the, uh, event next month, July 14th to the 16th, the Howard Menger story event and conference. Um, you can get all that info on my website at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. And please go check out the new book. 
uh, Spiritual Consciousness, A Personal Journey by Kevin J. Briggs. He's an author and experiencer, and I'm telling you, the book is absolutely amazing. Um, you can get all that information in the description of the episode below. Um, the book is only 20 bucks. You can go to my website. All the information's on there as well. Um, again, that's UFO Encounters worldwide.wordpress.com um, also please give us a, a, a like give us a rating of a five stars if you can we'd really appreciate it it goes a long way um, it would really help the show out and uh, we appreciate you guys listening every week um, so that would be awesome and uh, we also have a new Facebook group now too so you guys know so if you're on Facebook come join our group um, well, I'll be posting everything about the show there, um, events coming up that we're supporting and going to be a part of, um, all that kind of good stuff um, that's on Facebook. Um, so I think that's all about it for today. A lot of different info, I know, um, but very cool information. I hope you guys all enjoyed it today. Uh, we will be back next week. I believe we have Science Bob McGuire coming on to talk um, about some of the work he's done in the field. Uh, I just got to see him about two weeks ago at the Pine Bush UFO Fair. Um, so it'll be nice to have him on and uh, have some uh, really good conversations about research in the field. Um, so I hope everybody enjoyed today's event or uh, episode. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. And uh, as we always say, until next time, remember to keep your eyes in the sky. Well, talk about a data-packed episode. <laughs> uh, a lot of stuff going on in the astronomy world and a lot of astronomical stuff going on between this month and next month. Um, they said it's going to be some of the best uh, sightings that you'll ever be able to see. Um, with all these different planets and meteors coming down the shower. Um, so don't forget to go and check that out. Really cool stuff. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed all the different cases we had, especially that one really strange case. I call it the coyote case. Um, you can look all them up with the case numbers that I gave you guys so you can uh, check them out again. Um, don't forget to check out uh, Spiritual Consciousness, A Personal Journey by Experiencer and author Kevin J. Briggs. Uh, you can get all the information um, for his book on our website, um, as well as the Howard Menger Story a Conference and Event First Annual. That's all over at our website as well. You can get tickets to the event there, all the information that's going on each day, um, as well as links to Kevin's website. Um, so you can go grab his book because they make everything we do here possible. Um, so I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We'll be back with Science Bob McGuire next week. That should be a very interesting episode. Um, so until next time, remember to keep your eyes in the sky. Thank you.